Hey guys, before this episode starts, I just want to let you know, obviously, trigger warning, right? Because there's going to be a lot of things in here that we talk about that you might not agree with, some things that you may agree with. Um, but above everything, what I really want you to know that is if you do disagree with anything in this episode, if there's something you don't like, if there's something you think that was uh, misin- we were misinformed about, I, I don't know. Um, I want you to come on and talk to me about it. I, I, I'm not married my opinions i'm opening i'm open to hearing everyone's opinion on this thing um so please if you find yourself upset angry or anything i'm not closing the doors to like oh so you have that person i'm not gonna have anyone else on no no no, no. i'm not closing the doors if you think you can be that person and you want to share your voice about these things please come on i don't want to i'm not gonna try to attack you i'm not gonna try to say you're wrong or anything um I, I want to converse with you. Um, you may find that you agree with some of the things I say in this. You may find you agree with some of the things that Caleb says in this. You might disagree with things that uh, either of us say. Um, but if you feel like you want to have your mind heard, if you want to speak and let people hear what you have to say, then come on. Let's, let, let, let's do it. Um, yeah, this is really just kind of a trigger warning. Letting you know that both Caleb and I understand and know uh, how serious of a topic this is. And this topic is definitely heating up right now in politics and in culture. Um, so we understand what's going on. So if you listen to this episode, if you get all the way through it, um, and there's some things that you don't think make any sense, if you don't like any of the things that were said, or if you agree with some of the stuff that uh, that was said, come on and let's talk about it. Um, this is not a, a this is not a closed off like only these these kind of people can talk on this show. Anyone can talk on this show. Come on, let's talk about it. But that's about it. I just want to do a quick, brief, like, letting everyone know what's going on. And um, I usually don't do this in the beginning of all my podcasts, but for this, something as serious as this, I, uh, I wanted to do it. So anyway, that's about it. Caleb, thank you so much for being on this episode. I had a great time. I love talking to you. I think you're a fantastic person to converse with. I think you're very respectful, and I think it's really awesome when you respectfully talk to two parties. Like, both parties are respectful, and you get pretty far. So um, if anyone else wants to do that, with me that has a, an alternative opinion than what is shared in this episode feel free i'm ready hit me up on instagram email me whatever it is and we'll set it up but uh that's about it thank you guys so much for clicking on this episode we'll see you at the end look so i want you to um so we kind of talked already um but talk to me like uh we, I, we haven't met met yet i want you to kind of explain to me how you feel about this whole thing about how what your stance is because i know that um i think everyone should be able to speak and i would actually love it if i heard people with opposing opinions of yours but today we don't have someone with an opposing opinion i'm gonna do my best play devil's advocate but i want to be respectful i want to actually uh listen and i want to uh speak and we'll just see where we go so give me like a a prologue right like give me a preface tell me everything you think you can tell me and then we'll try to dig into it and try to get a little philosophical about it, a little bit. Of, we'll talk about, like, law, whatever yep. it is, and we'll go into it. So you can start. Tell me what's up. Sure. So I'm pro-life, um, anti-abortion. Um, I, I would really consider – I mean, if you're pro-life, you're really anti-abortion, really, because to me, I think that a lot of people will say that, you know, the issue of life isn't a black or white issue, and I, I completely disagree. It's really it comes down to you either are pro-life and pro-protecting babies in the womb or you're you know pro-choice in any sense of the word so for me i know people that say like i'm pro-life for myself but i still don't think i should be able to you know impose that upon someone else and i really say to that well that's not really pro-life that's really pro-choice um 
I believe that because science tells six percent of scientists and the biologists will agree um, from a study done with uh, University of Chicago that life does begin inherently at conception from that moment of conception. And I believe that since life does begin at conception, no matter what stage of development that baby is in, is that baby should deserve and should be protected legally by law um, from that very moment of conception. And with that, I also do believe that since I believe and a bunch of other people believe and scientists agree that life does in fact begin at conception, I believe that also, you know, there should be laws that protect that life. Um, I think that if a woman is pregnant, I think that the father, whether or not he's in, should be required by law to pay child support. Because if I'm going to say that I'm pro-life and I believe that life begins at conception, then I'm pro-life across the entire board. And I'm going to keep that um, across the entire issue. Yeah, you wouldn't want to... That, that is kind of annoying. Some people have, like, they'll have an opinion about something and they'll totally... Um have that double standard. So that's always a good thing that you're on. Right. You keep it this, you keep it equal on both sides. But um so yeah, I, I think there's uh there's several pools of people when it comes to abortion. Well maybe just a few. Maybe like, like definitely a solid three, right? It's uh it's like anti abortion and it's um uh pro life, right? It's like or pro so that's the same thing. Um pro life right. and pro choice, right? And then there's like the uh, the middle ground where it's like, well Exceptions might sound like a, a weird word to use, but I don't really have a, a better word. Um, mm. The exception would be like uh, rape and anything that would, would cause the, the, the mother to die for several reasons. First reason being that mm. the baby wouldn't survive anyway. Um, right. So there's a lot of exceptions in that. So there's like kind of three pools, right? Is there more than three or is, there, is it just a flat three? There's also like an invictus. Like there, there are people that are like, I don't even know what you would consider them. They believe in the whole bodily autonomy argument. So they believe that the mother should inherently have the right to her body, um, even though in, with pregnancy, no human being involved. Uh, there is a bunch of people that want to create like artificial wombs. And like they think that at any stage of the pregnancy, the mother should be able to um, preterm deliver or have a C-section and take the baby out and put it in an artificial womb. So there are people and they're, they're known as um, it's the evictious stance. No. They they believe in like evicting, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. The baby, the, to maintain the integrity of their bodily autonomy argument. But th that doesn't exist yet, right? You can't. There are studies and there are scientists that are trying to create artificial wombs, so they're in the process of trying to make that happen. Yeah. Um, that's a whole separate conversation. I actually would. That's like a to, whole separate. It's a yeah. whole separate thing. I would like to try to touch on it before uh, the this whole podcast ends. But um, so you brought something else up about uh the the autonomy the the, yes. the way i view these uh this problem right is that i just had a conversation with a very good friend of mine about abortion and mm -hmm. we, we didn't choose right. a side all we were trying to do was understand mm -hmm. both sides and one side is saying okay well these things are true these are the facts is it is it is it alive yes is it human Yes, it's got the you know the DNA, the the uh, chromosomes, whatever it is. Um, the question comes in is when do we start caring about it? When is it conscious? When does it have a soul or whatever? Right. So that's right. Yeah. that's one side. The other side, when it comes to um, bodily autonomy, whether or not it's a moral choice, it when we're talking about autonomy, then yes, it's right. If we're talking about law, no, it's not. So I guess the reason why I think it's a hard conversation for people to have is because. 
no one knows what stage they're trying to have this discussion. Are you talking about law? Are you talking about autonomy? Are you talking about philosophy, religion? Right. No one really knows. So if we're talking about right. the law, as far as I know, it isn't and never has been a right. If we're talking about bodily autonomy, technically, like right, based upon, I guess, the facts, anything including abortion is a right. But the problem, and this is how, how I see it, the problem why this is such a big problem, I keep mm-hmm. saying problem, is because whether you want to... Whether you see it as killing human or you see it as taking women's rights, you have to decide what society you want to live in. And that's why everyone's fighting. Right. Right. And of course, like, you know, I mean, I would disagree. I, you know, I would respectfully disagree that it is I, I would not consider an abortion a right per se, um, because a lot of people that I've talked, like, I've gotten to them, them to acknowledge themselves that like, you know, the whole the whole idea and ideology behind bodily autonomy is right. The the meaning of it is your right to govern what happens to your body, right? Yeah. You're you're the one that gets to dictate what happens to your body. Everybody has bodily autonomy. But even pro-choicers that do believe in bodily autonomy, I have asked them multiple times, you know, I've asked them, hey, do you believe that that right to bodily autonomy should still be a right if you're jeopardizing another, you know, either the well-being of someone else or someone else's life? And they will automatically say no. And so that's where it gets into like a sticky, you know, gray area because – the truth is, unfortunately, not everybody agrees that a fetus in the womb, and I get fetus, I know that it's a dehumanizing way of saying baby because that, you know, no pro-abortionist is going to want to, no abortion provider really is going to refer to a fetus in the womb or a baby in the womb as a baby, no matter what stage it's in, because the term fetus to them has become a de- way of dehumanizing it. Um, but it's really scientifically just in their stage of development. It's a, it's a baby a mammal preborn baby, um, mammal or offspring of a human being preborn uh, eight weeks after conception. And I mean, that's, that's science. That's what science tells us. It doesn't tell us that, you know, a fetus is a chicken or like a guinea pig or like a, you know, turtle or, you know, un- it says unborn, but, you know, the pro-life movement, we've kind of attached a new meaning to that, meaning that yeah, it's unborn, but it's still alive in the womb. So technically it's pre-born, right? Because it's still living, it's still growing, it's still, you know, um, working its path and going along its path to become, you know, once you hit that nine-month mark, maybe sometimes a little bit past that, like when a woman gives birth, you know, she's not going to give birth to some foreign entity. She's going to give birth to, you know, a baby. And it's like, it shouldn't matter that couple inches of birth canal. That couple inches of birth canal should not dictate whether or not that baby is a baby or a fetus, you know, mm. um, comes into play. And, like, the whole bodily autonomy issue is really very, like, very argumentative today because, you know, there's people that say it's my body, my choice. And then, you know, but their same stance will be, you know, they don't believe that bodily autonomy should be bodily, should have the right to be bodily autonomy and bodily autonomous if that right puts another human being or another person in danger at any stage and i think it's a little bit of a a double standard for them because they'll say that but then they won't recognize the hypocrisy in that statement when it comes to abortion can you uh because i know you told me um but can you tell everyone your personal relationship with abortion and why it's such a big deal for you yeah, of course. So I was born in uh, Vladimir, Russia, December 6, 2002. Uh, my biological mother was 19. Uh, we don't know the product of my conception. Um, it's speculated, considering she was 19, it was 18 or 19. 
Uh, she didn't name the father. We don't know how it was conceived. It's very possible. Again, we don't know, but it, it's what we speculate that she was a victim of rape or incest or sexual assault. Um, she didn't take care of herself. She probably didn't have the money to. Um, now, Russia does have an abortion ban in place. It's you can't have an um, so it might have been she didn't have the option to have an abortion. It might have been she just didn't want to. You know, I don't know. I don't know my story, really, because it kind of the line goes cold. Um, but when she gave birth to me um, and I was adopted, I was very weak because she had an infection. She passed that infection on to me. I was on medical cocktails for the first, like, three, four months of my life just to live. Um, and then when I was adopted at the age of three, I was diagnosed with something known as hydrocephalus, which is a disease um, where the brain that everyone's brain sits in cerebral spinal fluid. And this disease, what it does is it keeps your brain from being able to regulate that cerebral spinal fluid. And so it just builds up. And, you know, I don't like using this term, but this 80% um, of patients, hydrocephalus patients that don't catch hydrocephalus before the age of three die. And at the point that we caught it, I, you know, started taking my vision, it messed my fine motor skills, almost wiped my fine motor skills clean. So it was working its way into taking me to that vegetative state, I guess. Um, and, you know, we caught it in time. I had brain surgery when I was three, had a verpentricular peritoneal shunt. It's taken me 19 years to say that word. Jeez, uh, yeah. Place, verpentricular peritoneal, all one word, shunt, uh, placed. And then, you know, I was, I had a troublesome childhood because of it, but like, and I'm here, I'm alive, but you know, it's because of, I checked off the boxes, my mother could have been raped, she could have been incested, or she could have been sexually assaulted. We don't know, but it's possible. Um, I had an infection. I was not medically sound when I came out of the womb. I, I required medical care for at least three or four months just so I could live. Um, I had a brain condition because of her or because of, you know, the pregnancy. So it's like, I almost check off every box that the left would say, I wouldn't be worthy of living. I had a disease. I had a preexisting medical condition. I was told that I wasn't going to live a normal life. Uh, she might have been a victim of rape or sexual assault. And those are like the main things that the left likes to use when they want to, you know, you know, defend abortion. And, and so it's like, because of that, at a very young age, I knew politics when I was 13. Um, and all the politics and political campaigns I've worked on, their main focus was to abolish abortion to elect pro-life legislators that would in, put in place laws that would fundamentally over time eradicate the abortion narrative. Um, and so that's why I feel so strongly about it. And honestly, you know, I know we talked about those exceptions earlier, um, because of my story, because, and because I know people that were victims of rape, were victims of sexual assault, they, they got, the women got pregnant. I'm not going to say they, because, that's scientifically incorrect to say that any other, you know, can give birth. They can't. That's a whole nother yeah, a thing. Whole conversation. Yeah. Whole different conversation. But, you know, but, you know, I know women that were sexually assaulted or they were raped and they still gave mm -hmm. birth. And mm -hmm. whether or not they kept the baby or put the baby up for adoption, they still understood subconsciously that you know, as terrible, obviously, that rape is, and I, I know I said this earlier, I'll say it again, like, my personal stance on rapists and child molesters is they should be castrated and thrown in prison for the rest of their life. I don't believe in the death penalty, not because I'm pro-life, but simply because I think it's more tumultuous for a, you know, rapist or a criminal, really, to sit in prison in solitary confinement and basically slowly go insane as opposed to giving them metaprozone and inflicting a heart attack on them and just letting them have die. And I think that's a little bit easy. Um, 
and a little bit too much of an easy way out. But because of those circumstances and because of my story, that's why I personally don't, and this is controversial in the pro-life movement, um, I personally do not believe that there should be exceptions for rape or incest because I do recognize that that was a terrible injustice. I do think that the law does not really go after those attackers or assailants the way that they should. And I understand. However, I think that it's completely disingenuous and it would make me almost hypocritical as someone who does believe that life begins in the womb and who does believe that life is precious and that life begins at conception. I would be a hypocrite to say, you know, because of the product of how this child was conceived that I would be okay with aborting because the reality is, is if I believe that a baby in the womb, a fetus, or that, you know, clump of cells, right, that unique DNA strand, if I believe that that is life from the beginning, it shouldn't change based on how it was conceived and how it came to be. I understand everything you're saying, you're saying and I do think, um, I think you, you, you do bring up logic-based arguments. I, I don't think I'll, when it comes to something as serious as rape, um, and I know you and I don't have a have to have a conversation about what the mm-hmm. criminal how the criminals treated. I mean, everyone has the same opinion about how the criminals should be treated. Fuck them, right? But when it comes to the victim, and it's it's because I I do agree. I do think that it's still a life, but I could mm-hmm. not imagine asking anyone's daughter. To do that, uh, not even bringing up like age, like if they're like fucking fourteen, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm not trying to do like an "I got you." No. Oh, what about yeah, a six year old? I'm like, I get it. I'm not trying to do that. But um, th- out of out of everything that we will talk about here, that might be the one thing we completely I don't want to say disagree on because I understand you. I understand mm-hmm. you. Um, right. But when it com- when it comes to something as serious as uh, something that's life threatening, or when it comes to something as a rape, I wash my hands with it. I'm like, listen, man, like, right. can you, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine not only being in that situation or imagine being the doctor that has to help that person in the situation. I couldn't imagine uh, right. being the father that has to help in that situation. Mm. Like, oh, what the, too much going on. Um, so if it, right, yeah, so if it came down to the to the law, if we're, if we're not talking about autonomy, if we're not talking about mm. philosophy, we're just talking about law, um, I... I don't like seeing people die. I don't like knowing uh, children in the womb are dying. Right. Um, but when it comes to something that's life-threatening and, and rape and whatever, mm. I personally, I kind of I kind of look away. I mean, like, it, it sounds right. bad, because I, I, no matter how you put it, if you're like, I'm, I, I, I want to abort this child or I don't want to abort the child, either way, you're a bad guy. Um, yeah. So you kind of, you have to choose which evil you want to support. And unfortunately, right. yeah. for both sides... I'm, that's the evil I'm going to support. Right. If some, yeah, so if someone's raped, raped or anything like that, I wash my hands with it. Right. It is what it is. Well, I mean, I can respect that completely because, I mean, there's a lot of pro-lifers out there even that, you know, they are pro-life and they do want to abolish abortion. After all, that is basically our goal. Our, you know, our goal is to not, you know, Roe v. Wade overturning that. That was just step one. That was That was making it no longer on a federal level, no longer federally acceptable. We want to go so much further than that. We, we want to make abortion not just illegal, but, you know, in 50 years, we want to make it completely unthinkable. Because back when Roe v. Wade was enacted and put in place, when that, you know, it was unthinkable. It was seen as even the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi, 
Joe Biden, like all of the people that are really pushing for, you know, bodily autonomy and women's rights, you know, some of them even said back in the 70s, you know, abortion is the, the way that they worded it was it was a necessary evil. You know, it was never meant to be um, this this booming industry that we have today, you know, where it's seen as, you know, you are like a hero or it's a women empowerment to, you know, end the life of a child, which is what it's seen as today, you know. And so we've kind of backtracked a little bit. Some of the predominant, you know, pro-choice leaders, some of the most predominant congressmen and women that support abortion, they said in the 70s, this is this is wrong. This is evil. This is not okay. And, and just to circle back to like the whole, you know, rape and incest, which I completely will respect your opinion. Obviously, like I have a different one, but that's fine. I yeah. think we should be able to have conversations without, you know, completely, you know, berating people for their opinion. But for me, really what it comes down to is, and for so many, it's this. So obviously the justice system does fail us a lot of times, right? It does fail oh, those yeah. victims. Oh yeah. Those victims of sexual assault are viable, right? The, you know, to see some rapists get not even 10 years in prison, um, like that's horrible. It's insane. But the thing is, and this is what it really comes down to for me as well, other than my personal connections to it is, you know, it, there's, there, there is no real justification in the abortion. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, they will say, well, you know, it's, you, you're getting justice for the, it, it's not though. The reason I say that is it's not, it's not undoing the horrible injustice, that violation, that violation of human rights, you know, rape is a violation, you know, that, that is, mm -hmm. it's one of the worst violations of human rights that someone could have, you know, forced upon them. But what it really comes down to is abortion. It's, it's not undoing the rape. It's not healing the woman. 66% of women are more likely to commit suicide after having an abortion. I've talked to countless women that said that, you know, and obviously there are some that will disagree with this, but I've talked to countless pro-choice women that were pro-choice that said, you know, they, the amount of mental torment that they went into and fell into after the abortion was insane. And there's some women that even recover from it. And that's the other thing is that there are some pro-lifers and I, I mean, I can call out crap in my own, you know, my own people, people support what I believe, you know, some pro-lifers, they get very like, I don't want to say aggressive, but like if a woman has had an abortion, some pro-lifers, not their true ones, but some of the radical ones, they will attack them, you know, attack their personal story. And I think that's completely disingenuous and it's incorrect for us because ultimately whether or not a woman has or has not had an abortion in the past or in the future either way she needs she needs counseling she needs help she because if she's had an abortion she's gonna need therapy to help her get through that because it's not just traumatic for the baby which i know that people will say it's not traumatic it's a very traumatic procedure procedure for that baby to go through no matter what stage it's in but it's equally traumatic for the woman especially if it's done with the abortion pill where she's forced to go home and quite literally have an abortion herself. Uh, there's videos, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. not, Oof. it's not an easy thing. It's not, you know, Abby Johnson, who she, uh, she's a very predominant pro-lifer now. She had, I think she had two abortions in her lifetime before she became pro-life and she, she ran a Planned Parenthood.
she was given the abortion pill, nothing worse than a period. She was in the bathroom for literally almost 24 hours, you know, trying to pass, you know, the baby. And between that and her actually assisting in an abortion, that's after her seeing the trauma that that baby went through, like, that's ultimately what changed her mind. And I think that that's, I think that's part of it as, you know, not a lot of people understand how abortions take place. Not a lot of people understand what actually is involved in an abortion procedure. And I think educating them a little bit on that is, is key just so that they know that like, Hey, this isn't like a fantasy world procedure that you have, like, this is what it looks like. And I think that that may or may not be key and that maybe not even changing people's minds, but just giving them an another perspective to look at it well i was gonna ask you and you kind of already did it but i was gonna ask you um you know you have the opinion you have you um you're saying all these things you've done your research you you uh you go live on the internet and you and you talk to people and you converse right right i was gonna ask can you you know put yourself in a woman's shoe and understand why this is such a big deal for them like why, Absolutely. They, why they're scared why, right yeah because I, can I can't yeah go go ahead go it's, ahead you know because it's it goes back to the whole bodily autonomy argument you know i'm not going to say that women are that these women that are pro choice are brainwashed because that's not the word i would like to use i would like to use the word i would say deceived a little bit you know because again like i said earlier most of them will agree with you that bodily autonomy ends when you end the life of a human being like that's it's no longer a right. It's like I right I could say right now I have the right as a United States citizen to get in a car, drink and drive. But does that mean I should do it? Absolutely not. Why? Because I'm putting my life at risk and I'm putting everyone else's life on the road at risk. The same thing goes with an abortion. It might be legalized, but there has been count legal that should not have been legal. Just because something is legal does not make it moral. And just because something is legal does not make it right. And it's like it, it's it's that line of thinking. They're they're being told it's not only they're being told it's a woman's right. They're being told it's women empowerment. They're being told it it gives them strength. You know that they're vilified in it. And I you know I saw a video and I actually stitched it and I even made a video about it about this woman who quite literally made an altar an altar for her abortion. Like, I've, I've seen it's those. very dark. It's very it does have satanic roots. The satanic church actually has come out and said that it is quite literally a satanic ritual. And it's one of the reasons that they, you know, that said they have the right to it. Well, can I ask you a question? Yes. Because um, I've done research into uh, the satanic uh, church or whatever, and unless there's a there's a different one, or there's we're just talking about two different things. To my understanding, this, the Church of Satan or the satanic church had nothing to actually do with the devil, and had just everything to do with a uh, with like paganism. Um, is that true? Yes and no. So from my understanding, obviously, I wouldn't 100% know because I'm not in it. Uh, but it it has to do with the, it's a complete pagan religion. But it does. They do ultimately worship Satan, like the Satan of the Bible, the Satan that, you know, everyone thinks about, you know, but, you know, one of their core beliefs is that an abortion is actually considered a satanic ritual. And so they came out and said when Roe v. Wade got overturned, hey, like, what about our right to religious freedom? And to that end, I would say, honestly, yeah. your relig your freedom, your rights, your rights and your freedoms, your bodily autonomy, those all go away the moment you try to use your freedom to put someone else's life at risk or end it. The, I don't – so I, I think I think I'm going to uh, pause 
th- that might be another thing that we c- just can't, we just don't know. Because I don't know for sure if the if if Satanists believe in Satan from the research I've done. Right. And I also want to make sure we don't bring religion into this at least yet. Yeah. Because you want to, we can. That's fair. Um. So I do want to I do want to keep religion out of this because okay. if we're gonna have any respectable opinions, it has to be as right. you know you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I understand. So, but I I have seen stuff like that where people um kind of celebrate the anniversaries of their abortion and it's like yes. weird it's it's it kind of makes me feel a little icky and like if you have mm-hmm. a uh and, and and from my point of view not yours but from my my point of view if you have a reasonable um reason to have an abortion and you're celebrating it that is really weird mm-hmm. you know i like it, it shouldn't be a a, a happy time it no. be, if anything it should be like fuck i can't believe i did that Let's not do it again. Like, it's, it's, so it is kind of weird. Right. Um, but when it comes to um, back to knowing how women feel, I totally get it. One thing I definitely don't like, and I think you will agree with me on this, um, even though it's not as rooted in the abortion thing. Perhaps I, we can mm-hmm. talk, we can talk about it. I don't like the government having any control over you, and that's what scares me the most. Actually, it's that uh, it's setting uh, precedents to uh, what people can and can't do. And I know that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. That's kind of not the same. We're like you can talk about abortion, and it makes that conversation a lot worse. Right. But it is a facet of the argument, and that's mm-hmm. the only thing I have a problem with. I said to my friend when I talked about this last. I said that you know if you have an abortion, someone's allowed to think you're evil for doing it, and someone's allowed mm-hmm. to think you're righteous for doing it. Like people, right. you're allowed to think that. It's, it's the difference between morals and ethics. Morals right. are individual morals, right? And ethics are mm-hmm. societal morals. So right. I ask myself, okay, well, if it's like a statewide thing uh, or like a state-by-state thing, would it be okay or would I feel comfortable or someone else feel comfortable if they their neighboring state had a different policy on abortion? Mm-hmm. So because I would feel so weird if the government said no. However, it's such a hard question because right. it's like, well, you're, they're saying no, but they're also saying no to – killing something so it's like it's so nuanced that you can't really find a middle ground almost it either right. has to be one thing or the other so it's the so other. hard yeah. and before before when you were talking about autonomy and how you said that um a lot of women that you meet will agree that bodily autonomy ends when you uh, harm or affect another person's life mm-hmm. um but i think what that statement is doing is your th- that statement is mixing autonomy and ethics almost because right. auto- if we're just talking about autonomy you can do anything you fucking want if right. we're talking about ethics well you you can't do anything you want so i think the argument for autonomy right. is you can do anything but i think what you you're trying to point out what you're trying to point out in people that use the autonomy ar- argument right you're saying okay you could use autonomy but you would have to say autonomy for everything everything otherwise exactly. otherwise it's a double standard yeah um, exactly. So, exactly right. So, so it's like I totally understand it, mm-hmm. and these these are my these are my fears. This is why I feel weird about the the whole thing. Right. Number one, I feel kind of out of place because I I know I'm allowed I'm a human being and I'm allowed to have an opinion, but I do feel right. very fearful to speak about it because I am a man. Um, I I I believe that if I um got someone pregnant, um. Hopefully on purpose, <laughs> but if mm. I ever got someone uh, pregnant on accident, I I would like a say in it. Um, I know I don't get one unfortunately, but I think that's the only reason why I have like any 
right in talking about it, right? Because I want kind of parental rights. Um, but also, I'm thinking to myself, well, fuck, I don't have to go through that. Like, there's so many nuanced things. So I understand why you said, right, uh, in the beginning of this episode, I understand why you said that you it's kind of got to be one way or the other. And that's why you go full pro-life, mm-hmm. even when it comes to the horrible things that happen. Because right. it is hard to find a middle ground. It is. It is. And honestly, like, I know you said that you personally, you know, it feels a little awkward for you to, um, or you feel uncomfortable with the topic because you are a man. But, you know, to me, it's also like, okay, it does take two people to make a baby, ultimately, right? Like, it takes, you have to have Mm -hmm. sperm, you have to have an egg. That's how it works. You can't, you know, it's not just the woman's body. It's not just the woman's DNA from the father. So it's like, there's videos, you can look them up online of, you know, men that they wanted the baby they were in a committed relationship with their girlfriend or you know their partner and they're literally outside the Planned Parenthood screaming begging them not to kill I've their child those. and I've like those, uh, it's cry. it yeah it's it's heart-wrenching because it's like you know the left will say that man has no claim to that baby when absolutely he does he helped create it he helped that baby's DNA half of it is his you know Honestly, like the man has as much moral stake in that baby and that future of that baby's life than, you know, the woman does. And, you know, the argument that, you know, we can get an abortion and do what's better for them. Honestly, to counteract that, and as someone whose father isn't in the picture, you know, people say it's a little weird for me to say this, but like if a woman is doing what's best for her by having an abortion, then a man should be able to completely leave his family if it's what's best for him. By their standard. I don't agree I with think that. everyone agrees with that, though. I think everyone else agrees with that, though. I think all uh, pro-life, pro-choicers say, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I actually think they do agree with that. They sh- yeah. I mean, if, it would be consistent with their argument. But um, my personal stance on that is, like, you know, I, I would push for legislation, and I am pushing for legislation that would, if a man gets a woman pregnant, whether or not they're in a relationship or not, and she carries to term from the moment of conception, the moment she finds out she's pregnant, he has to start paying child support. And that's because, you know, again, consistency with my argument here, that's a human being, that's a life. There is, I think in Virginia, or was it Georgia? Georgia, they passed a bill allowing for women to um, claim the baby as an independent on their tax return, which I completely agree with because, like, if we are going to say it's a baby, if we are going to say it's a human being, you know, technically she's going to need more food, she's going to need more resources to carry that baby to term. And so absolutely, I think she should be able to claim it as an independent because honestly, it's going to take up more time and money. Yeah. So are you also in favor of bolstering social programs for like orphans and like, yes. or, like children that don't have fathers or children that don't have mothers? Yes. Yeah, because I, I, I'll say that to my friends that like, although there's a lot of things I, I think we're spending our taxes on that we shouldn't be spending our taxes on, I would be comfortable with, with, with putting all that, that tax money and perhaps even more of it to making sure children get a, a fair shake, Absolutely. make sure they, they get, they Absolutely. got the opportunity. Cause, cause not only do I think that uh kids with no parents or like whether they're orphans or they only have one parent, but like even like yeah. kids growing up in communities that are horrible and it's not their fault that they grew up in this really shitty community. I, I, I actually am a big fan of some social programs right. um, as long as they don't teach people learned helplessness. Yes. I think social problems are a really, really good idea. I, and I think for pro-lifers, they kind of have to stay with that idea. Absolutely. And, you know, pro-lifers, you know, the funny thing is I, I love the term for uh, forced, per, uh, forced birth, pro-forced birth, because, you know, that's the new term that they've, you know, assigned to pro-lifers. 
when you know statistically it's statistically proven that pro-lifers they donate more to pregnancy centers they help out more at pregnancy centers they donate more money to orphanages to foster care you know institutions that's what the it's not just we care about the baby in the womb but you know the common thing is we only care about the baby once it's in utero once the baby is out of the uterus and out of the womb we don't care about it anymore that's completely false like personally i've worked with organizations i've worked with an organization called standing with you um, i helped volunteer with them i tabled with them a couple of times they help provide free pregnancy resources to women whether that's an ultrasound whether that's a pregnancy test whether that's connecting them with pro-life adoption agencies whether that's connecting with pro-life women's agencies agencies that help them get jobs and give them money and give them food and give them clothing for the baby and housing xyz like that's what the pro-life movement does it's not just about you know what they want to say is forcing a woman out at all it's about you know fostering that environment so that she can succeed you know not only do we believe in the pro-life movement that a woman is strong enough to turn something evil into good but we believe that she's strong enough that she can do that she can get a job she can finish her degree you know she can still raise a kid we believe that she is strong enough to do all of the above and we have organizations in place that will help her do so what you'll hear from the pro-choice movement you know is you aren't strong enough you that baby will hold you back you won't be able to get your degree you won't be able to finish high school you won't be able to get married you won't be able to live a full life you won't be able to have a job that's what i constantly hear from pro-choicers and it's like that's not very pro-woman because you're not instead of saying you can we believe you're strong enough we're here to help they're being told you can't you never will succeed and you know ultimately they're being told that that baby is a burden and as a is a stumbling block to your future Let's let's kind of. I want to bring this into a a cultural conversation now. I know like abortion for the most part is a cultural thing, mm-hmm. but uh, there's these two things I want to talk about. One of them being like rape is such a fucking problem, right? Whether it happens once a year or a hundred, like if it happens mm-hmm. once a year, all the women are like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be the one. I don't know if I'm gonna go outside today." Like, I'm not an idiot. I know it's a thing women fucking think about Mm -hmm. when they, you know, walk out of stores at late at night, when they're going to a theater, when they're at the gym alone and there's one more person with them. Like, it's a thing that they generally have a fear about, and it's rational. I think it's a rational fear. I think one of the problems about this whole thing is that, well, okay, if you say I can't get an abortion, not saying it's a right, not saying it's not a right. If you say I can't get an abortion, well, I feel like the risk of me going through something I didn't choose is higher. And I think that's not only is that a rational complaint, it's a rational fear. And I think before anyone could like everyone could feel comfortable with the abortion thing, mm-hmm. we have to change the entirety of culture to make sure rapes essentially don't happen. Now will that happen in the next hundred years? Fuck no. Right. Oh my gosh, no. I have no idea how to stop that. No one knows how to stop that. Mm-hmm. But I think what might help it, what might remedy the situation is to, you know, stop sexualizing people, stop showing softcore porn on all these fucking social media websites, um, yeah. treating each other and ourselves with respect in public and right. online. I think okay. um, having fathers in the home, I think having uh, mothers in the home, I think having a good family unit, I think all those things, making sure parents don't have to go to work so you're getting raised by daycare or your elementary school. I think having right. a better culture will fix uh, a large part of the rape problem. I agree. So I want to talk about that, but overarchingly, the uh, the reason why this is well, one of the one of the many uh, reasons why this is a big deal is because when you say you can't get uh, an abortion, that I do think, and I know we're, we we have disagreement on 
you know, but I do think it does put women at a bigger risk of going through something that they did not choose to go through. I'm not saying that justifies killing anybody, but that it is something that they always think about, have to think about, and something that they quite frequently have to go through, not just in this country, even though we're just talking about this country. I'm just saying. Right. I mean, I, I honestly, I agree and I disagree. And I disagree for this reason. Pro-choice men that I've talked to, you know, they go, you know, we're helping women out. We're, you know, being there for them. Absolutely, no, you're not. The pro-choice men, uh, they, they're pro-choice, not because it's pro-woman's rights, not because they're, you know, uplifting their partner, putting them on pedestal, you know, making her feel like a queen. They're pro-choice because, and in that context, it's almost like, if I was a pro-choice guy, and I've talked to a couple of them, they'll say I'm pro-choice because I know that if I get her knocked up, I can just give her a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, and it's okay because we'll make the problem go away. A lot of pro-choice men are pro-choice not because they feel they're giving them women empowerment, women's rights. They're pro-choice because they believe that at that point, once they have that utilization of that tool called abortion, to end, to, to, you know, Scientifically, an abortion is the termination of a pregnancy, which people can argue all you want, but the only way you terminate a pregnancy is to end the life of the baby, and that's the whole point of an abortion. But the only reason that they support it is because that's a form of control. Because if, as a man, you go, well, you know, I support an abortion, but I support it because if, I, if me and you, you know, do the nasty and I get you pregnant, the consequences, there's no... You know, he's not being told that he needs to pay for help pay for child support or anything. There's no consequences for him at all. But he's going to pay her a thousand dollars to go and kill her child. And that's to me where it's like because there's no there's no accountability for the man. I do think I do think that is uh it is a generalization of all pro uh choice men, but I do think there are pro-choice men that do think the way you just said. I do believe that. Right. 100%. I do think it's a generalization, though. I, I do think some men are totally like, yeah, I'm totally okay with this. Like, for instance, um, like gay men, like, they don't really have a, a t- t- horse in this race. Right, yeah. Um, so, so it's like, um, and even straight men. So I, I do think it's a generalization, but I also agree with you. I, I know right. what you're saying. Um, so let's talk about the culture a little bit more with um, changing culture. Because I, I, I think that that's the bigger problem. Because I think less people would not only be less people would be raping, less people would be having uh, unprotected sex, uh, less people would be uh, making stupid decisions, mm-hmm. uh, less people would be um, trying to or getting into relationships that are kind of shitty. You know, I think right. I think with better education, not just sexually, but like a cultural education or a good family, um, whatever it is, will give us. A better life, a better American Absolutely. life. Absolutely. What are some things? What are some things that you think should change, or some things that you can do currently that actually, you know, sets us up for a better future? What do you? Like, I know that's a kind of loaded question, but break it up. Break it up. Honestly, I think one of the biggest issues, and I, you know, a lot of times I hear this from women, I, but I can understand what they're saying. Like, I, I'm not stupid. Like, I I do have a side of me that's empathetic. Like, I completely empathize with women whether or not they've been raped, whether or not they've had gone through incest, whether or not, whatever the case is, I have empathy, you know, and sympathy for them. And I can understand, you know, because I'm not stupid. I can put myself in their shoes and I can put myself into their line of thought and, you know, think, 
if I were them and I didn't know what I know and I didn't know the organizations that I know and the resources out there that can help them, I would think that's my only option as well. And, you know, one of the biggest stumbling blocks I hear time and time again, and honestly, I think it's very disingenuous to use this as an excuse, is foster care system, you know. And I think, honestly, if we were to pour some of the taxpayer dollars that, I don't know, we've been spending on illegal immigrants, if we pull a portion of that, and instead of, you know, housing illegal immigrants, I saw um, a million, over a million legal immigrants have come across the border this year, and, you know, they were shipped to New York, and they literally were put up in hotels, paid for by taxpayer dollars. If we use some of that allocated, reallocated some of those funds and dump that into the adoption and foster care system mm -hmm. to where we can make it better, where we could even, you know, I'm not against reforming the entire, tearing it down, dismantling it, rebuilding it. You know, foster care is for reunification of the family. Adoption is when the baby has been, or the child's been taken away from the family for whatever reason. You know, those systems are broken. Yes, they're not perfect, no. But I think if we put some more of our time and energy and money into it, we could make it better. But it, the sad uh, thing is, and, and as I've said, I, I'm not I'm not afraid to you know call, pull out and call out crap and like my side either. Whenever there is legislation introduced into the House or Senate where they are trying to do that, where they're trying to reallocate funds and you know help fund more the adoption than foster care system or whatever and rebuild it, it's blocked by both Republicans and Democrats. And I think that that is a problem, you know? So I think, I think focusing on trying to fix some of those issues, some of the issues in the foster care system, some of the issues in the adoption system, I think that if we made adoption of foster care, of adoption specifically, less expensive, because now currently it's anywhere between $40,000 and $70,000 for the services to make an adoption go through. And even like somebody on a normal American salary cannot afford that. You know, if we were to flip the cards and make adoption and abortion equally accessible money-wise really, really change some of the issues we have. Because the reality is for every one child in the adoption system, there are 45 parent, 46 families waiting to adopt wait on that wait list. They might not be ready to adopt only because they have that monetary restriction, but they're on the wait list because they are willing to adopt. And so I think that we could start there a hundred percent. It's weird too, because like you, you, you hear how much it costs to adopt someone, like adopt a kid, but it's also like you, you kind of want to make sure they have that money too. So it's like if they, if they show up with like X amount of dollars and they're like, okay, you are probably have yourself put together here. Here's a kid. So it's like, it's very weird. Cause you don't know how, what are, the parameters at which someone could actually adopt a child. Do, do, is there a social worker that goes in, checks the house yes. and all that? I'm pretty yeah. sure that happens anyway. It, yes, but it is. it's like, but the, um, the money thing is, is, is weird. No one really knows how to fix that or answer that, you know? I understand. And that, that's, uh, again, that's something we needs to be addressed. It shouldn't be 40,000 to set upwards to 70,000 and up to adopt a child. That just, it should not it's be crazy. that way. So you're selling it's you're selling people like it's so odd it's like like if you you take it down bare bones it's like such a weird thing to think about man right. um it's like I, I i think too that there are a lot of uh great people out there that can be really good parents that want to be really good parents mm -hmm. and they might not get a chance to to uh be a parent right but i also yes. think about like really shitty people 
You ever there's this yeah. book I always recommend. I always talk about it. Um, and you being uh, adopted and you go, growing up with uh, all the shit you grew up with, um, you might you might even like it. It's called uh, CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving. It is. Um, I love this book. It, I think it's, it's so amazing. Yeah, it is. You read it? I have. Oh wow. Okay. Awesome. That's great. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's so good. And I always think about adoption where it's like. Fuck, getting adopted by the wrong parents, right? Because if you get adopted by, like, a rich person, you're, like, jackpot. And the next thing you know, that rich person is never around to, like, take care of you as a father or a mm. mother. So it's so weird because, like, I know it's the roll of the dice whether you get adopted or you're birthed, like, mm. in, like in a normal family. Like, I or that I shouldn't say that. That was totally wrong. But <laughs> it's so it's so weird because when you're birthed and you're in a family, it is what it is. Right. But in adoption, there's so many choices involved that everyone's afraid about making the wrong right. choice. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, that's that's just it. That's what I hear all the time. And also, like I said, I, I do think, you know, it is a reason that a women get an abortion is not a main reason, um, but it is a reason is they don't want <clears throat> they, they don't want uh, that child to go through the system to live, you know, potentially live life. And it goes back to, you know, Kristen Hawkins says it, it's it's eliminating the suffer from potential suffering so it, it's really eugenicide and it's really eugenics you know to play god and say i don't know what this kid's going to go through but it's going to go in the adoption system it's better from a morality standpoint to kill it than to let it live a life nobody's life is yeah. easy I, I think everybody that is alive today no matter whether they're rich poor whatever they will say to you they have been through some crap no matter what it is nobody's life is perfect Nobody's life is sunshine and rainbows. That's how life is. Life is hard. Life is tumultuous at times. Life, you know, people go through hell and back in life sometimes. I've done it. It's happened to me. You know, my childhood was hell, essentially, you know. But it's not like, you know, it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I went through a bunch of really crappy things in my childhood, and I did. But, you know, I really wish happened to me. I really wish my biological mother decided to off me because it's better for me to not existed than to go through what I went through growing up. And I threw, I went through a hell of a lot growing up, you know, mo mm -hmm. the, more than some people would go through, you know, but it builds character. It's formed me into the person I am today. It's one of the reasons I'm as passionate about being pro-life and pro-family. It's one of the main driving factors in it actually. And it's like, it, I think it's a very disingenuous argument to kids that were victims who parents, who mothers were victims of rape and sexual assault, kids who were in the in the foster system, to say that they aren't worthy of living, you know, based on their product of conception, or they aren't worthy of life because they may have a more difficult life than somebody else that was maybe born into a rich family. You know, it's it's that whole playing card of playing God and deciding who lives and who dies. And, you know, that, it, you know, when the pro-choice movement likes to use kids in the adoption of foster care system and be like, hey, what about them? You know, like they're struggling, like using people like me that, you know, I was adopted using kids in the foster care system to try to boost their like, very disingenuous. And honestly, I, I think it's very vile to try to use it's, it's like using someone else's tragedy to elevate your political status and your political agenda. Do, do you this is, this is kind of oh, this is a little different but um what's your opinion on uh legalized assisted suicide 
I actually haven't formed an actual opinion on it, to be honest. It's not really something I've considered or really, um, I guess, studied or honed an opinion on. So I, I really haven't formulated one, to be honest. No worries, no worries. The reason I ask is because um, I, I am, I'm like it sounds weird saying I'm okay with it, as if like mm-hmm. I can stop you anyway. Right. But yeah. I'm, I'm like yeah, if you want to commit suicide, I'm like, who am I to say no? However, I do think um, if it's if it's a, like a legalized assisted suicide, meaning you like go to a doctor and they get your family together and then they um inject you or whatever. What if it's something like that? I think um. I think it'd be really cool if they like, okay, we'll help you pass on to the next life or whatever. Um, but they'll like put you through like at least a year, two years of like uh, mental health treatment and they'll like help you out. I think that'll be really cool. Cause I think if you actually legalize um, assisted suicide, I think a lot more social programs will pop up to, cause I think let's say legally they'd be like, okay, we'll do it. But legally you have to go through this process and at the end, if you're still like, no, I don't want to do this anymore, okay. Because personally, I'm, I'm, I can't, I hate saying I'm okay with suicide. It sounds so weird, but I'm okay with it for, um, you know, terminal reasons. Like you're uh, gonna die anyway. I'm okay with it for ph- philosophical reasons. Like if you just, this is how you think, okay. Like, so when people say, oh, what's your stance on abortion? And I say, well, I'm, a, I'm a third party kind of guy. You know, it's like I think consensual sex abortion is a little weird. I think, um, you know, saying all the way to nine-month abortion, that's that's really weird. I don't know. But, you know, when it's rape, when it's this, it's whatever, then I, I'm, I'm the third-party guy. And um, But then I also say, but you know what's really weird is I'm pro-assisted uh, suicide, and they never know how to answer that. They're like, yeah, that, I guess that is pretty weird cause, because— You'd think if it's like a pro-life argument, you would be against assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference is, is that healthy or not, which is why I think there should be like a, a wait, a waiting period of like mental health, right. uh, whatever. Uh, I think the difference is that they are like a consensual, consenting like adult. I think like being like let's say twenty-eight and being like, hey, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. That's a lot different than right. not having, you know your brain yeah. fully formed. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's it. I just like asking that question. I'm very curious. I, I, I talked about right. it with a lot of people. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, the other thing with, um, with all the abortion stuff is that, and we said, it, we said it already. It's like, it's either one way or the other. It's hard to find a middle ground. And if you do find a middle ground, you're being a hypocrite on, on some of it, you know, like, so in, and it's like the biggest, one of the biggest problems of our time do you think that, because um, a lot of people are saying this, and I don't want to try to get, give anyone I- any ideas. I don't want to try to put this out there. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people say that if there were to be a second civil war, abortion would be the tipping point. What do you I think, think about so. that? I think so. I 100%. I think that could potentially. I mean, we've, we're seeing a lot of issues in this country right now. It's very divided for multiple reasons. Um, abortion and pro-life, being pro-life or pro-choice, has become very polis- political, sa- pl- politicized. <laughs> And it's, I can't think anymore. Uh, it's really like, like I said, it's a moral issue. You know, we could argue all day long back and forth for hours, whether or not it's, it's, you know, a bodily autonomy argument, you know, there it's in there, but it, it bottoms down to, and the bottom line of it is, is, is it moral? Is it acceptable? Because again, time and time again, through history, we have seen it 
time and time again, countless times, things that were considered legal, things that were considered moral, but we knew that they were not moral. Um, you know, the treatment of black people in this country and all around the world, that was not moral. You know, it was okay. It was legal. It was, you know, accepted by society, but we knew it was not moral. The genocide of the Jews, you know, 4.7 million cited on the basis of the fact that they were not seen as human for being Jewish. You know, yeah, that's, that's a precedent that was set. You know, black people were not seen as human. They were seen as less than. They were seen as parasites. They were seen as anything but human. And that's why it was then justifiable to society at that point in time to for slavery, for the mistreatment of black people. We obviously know that that is not moral. The Supreme Court ruled that that was moral. The Supreme Court ruled that it was a black person was only one third or I think it was one third human, right? That's not moral. Three fifths. We know that's Three not fifths, moral. That's what I meant. Thank you. Right. And like that's not moral. We knew that wasn't moral. It's that same precedent. You know, history repeats itself time and time again. We're seeing the same thing happen with abortion. It's, you know, first it was you have to be alive and not black, you know, to be considered worthy of life. And then it was you have to be alive and not Jewish. And now it's the same argument it's just different wording as you have to be alive and outside the womb to be considered a living human being whenever you have to put that extra qualification on someone's life i think that's when you get into very very dark territory yeah you know fuck it, yeah i mean like th hearing it like that where it's like anyone that's ever had a, an argument that was immoral the about life they always said oh they they're almost it they just have to complete this step Knowing that that step would be impossible, exactly. I, I like I never thought about it like that. Where it's like, it's you're human once you're out of the room. You're human once you're white. You're human once you were never born in a Jewish lineage. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. So I, I never thought about it like that. But um, it's it's yeah, the it same. Is, it is weird. The same line. It's the same bottom line of you know having having to check off an extra qualification to be considered worthy of life and be considered worthy of human rights. You know, it's an argument not necessarily about bodily autonomy, it's a human right argument because abortion is a human right crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. It's honestly one of the biggest humanitarian crises we've faced in this country, you know? And again, people, I, I've been under attack multiple times for saying that abortion is comparable, comparable to the Holocaust. It absolutely is. And as somebody who is Jewish, you know, over 4.7 million Jews were annihilated based off of the fact in a four to five year period that they were not seen as human. Why? They were parasitic. Why? Because they were Jewish. There's that extra qualification to a human being and worthy of rights. A baby in the womb, you know, it is a baby. You know, anybody that tells you what's inside a woman, no matter what time frame it is, no matter what point of that nine months it is, is not a baby and is not going to come out of the birth canal as a baby, is a hypocrite and an idiot. You know. It's a baby. It's in the process of development. You know, fetus yeah. is just another stage for the process of development, just like young adult or adolescent or senior citizen. You know, those are all stages of development, right? To say that that baby is not worthy of life, not worthy of human rights, based off of what's ingenuous to the whole human rights argument, you know, and it's honestly hypocritical. Um, of the human rights, human rights argument, because it's 
you know, people that fought for black freedom, people that fought for women's right to vote, people that fought so that Jews could be freed from the Holocaust, you know, it was a human rights issue because they were, we knew they were human, right? To say that a Jewish person, a black person, or an Asian person isn't human is insane. Like that's, that's insane. That's not morally acceptable. You can't, if I were to walk down the street and say, I, you're a Jewish individual, you're not human. Like that's not morally acceptable because obviously you are to apply that standard in the womb when science tells us that from the moment of conception, that's a human being during that nine month period, it's a human being. Science tells us when you go, when a woman goes into labor, she's going to give birth to a human being. That is science. So to say that, to really say that, you know, what's in the womb isn't a human, that it's not worthy of life, not being worthy of protected, that is anti-science because it's very clear. Science textbooks is very clear with the language and verbiage that they use. And so, you know, it also boils down to that as well. I want to look, I want to look for something. I, um, I don't know if this is true. So for the love of God, people don't repeat me, but, um, after the Holocaust, I, uh, I heard, uh, that they would, um, when they found people who were homosexual, um, that were in, in prisons or whatever, yes. they were like, oh, we'll just keep them there. Like that, they, they, I don't know if that's true though. Like, because I'm not sure. This, I, I'm trying to look it up. Um, an estimated 50,000 gay people were incarcerated in Nazi concentration camps. The post on blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure, but either way, whether that's that's true or not, which I don't know. Wait, hold on, wait. Estimated uh, in the proclamation sentence prison. I'm so sorry. An estimated 5,000 okay. men were sent to concentration camps on similar charges were unknown prior to them. Um, the pink triangle symbol has since evolved into an important reminder for the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community of the continuing homophobia and human rights. Yeah, I'm not sure, and I don't want to spend all this time reading the article. But the point right. is, whether that's true or not, which I don't know if it's true. The point is, is that, um, yeah, people have always been seen as uh, less than human when they're in, um, you know, marginalized groups. When they're in groups of people that, like, whether they're minorities or they're just different. Like, like fuck, bro. Like when, when, like a hundred years ago, when like there was like eight different European uh, d- descendant, like. I, I, races? I don't even know if that makes any sense. When there, where there's like, there's, there's Irishmen, there's um, Englishmen, there's like uh, Frenchmen, all in New right. York City, they all hated each other. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. Everyone always hates each other. So everyone's always like, no, they're less than me. They're less than human. They're less than this. They're less than that. And you brought something up about, um, you know, when you conceive a, a child, that thing will develop and it will become a human. Um, which, yeah, obviously, right? But I want to ask you a question is if they found out beyond the shadow of a doubt, like there's there's no refuting it, it we've figured it out, that whether it's so, the soul or consciousness, let's say it doesn't form till like 49, 50 days. Right. The, que- the question is, okay, so is abortion okay or is it still not okay because it has the propensity to become a human? Because I think one of the um, most pro-lifers see it as, well, it has a soul, and I'm saying that in the most non-religious way possible. Meaning, like it has, mm-hmm. it has uh, what's, what's the word? Um, like a, almost like immediate consciousness, because we don't we don't really mm-hmm. know what that is. Um, right. But what if we knew that it wasn't conscious until like 
50 days. Would there be any difference? I don't think... I don't believe that consciousness and sentience should be a determinant of whether or not it's a human being. Uh, science, there, there's been studies done where they say that honestly, even a two-year-old isn't sentient. A baby isn't sentient until they're two years old, right? Alzheimer's patients, they're alive, they're cognizant, but they're not cognizant of reality. And they're not going to, if I was an Alzheimer's patient and my grandmother died of Alzheimer's, and whenever we visited her, she was not cognizant or coherent. She didn't know who she was. She didn't know anything, right? Mm. Because that's what Alzheimer's does. And the argument of sentience and like cognizance, it's like if we apply that same standard in the womb, that it's not worthy of living or worthy of, you know, until it's conscious, I think it's a very dangerous slope because I talked to a pro-choice TikToker who I won't mention her name because I don't like dealing with her because she's very, <laughs> very, I mean, actually I will. I don't really care. Her name, okay. is, her name is Sanvi, uh, used to be pro-life, used to be a very adamant pro-lifer. Don't really know what exactly happened. Well, I do, but it's kind of speculation, so I won't go into that. And it's kind of her own business, so right. I don't really care. No but she was pro-life, and then she became pro-choice. And her argument is basically sentience. That's what she argues. Every time she gets on my live stream, which I don't know why she follows me, because she doesn't agree with anything I say, and now she's really hella disrespectful so like i try not to deal with her unless i have to but her whole argument is sentience and like cognizance and all that but of course she 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 won't apply that same standard to alzheimer's patients because they're still alive and xyz but technically according to science an alzheimer's patient is not going to look in the mirror and be like i know who that is you know so it's there's also that it's like we're going to apply that standard in the womb some people say it should be applied outside the womb as well, and that's when I think it's a very, very slippery slope. Yeah. I actually think I, I, I saw you post a TikTok <laughs> about that, the question I just asked, actually. Um, or, or maybe I, I hopped on one of your lives and you were you talking about it. You probably did. I, I was probably talking to her. And, you know, it, it's weird because I know she used to be very pro-life. And, I, you know, she says that she just, like, woke up and she's no longer stupid. I know that's not the case. There's videos going on. So if you want to do your research about it, what really happened and why she became pro-choice, you can find out on TikTok. I won't say it because it is kind of rumors, but it seems to be true. But of course, you know, and she doesn't like it that I compare the Holocaust to abortion. She does not like it. She does not think it. She thinks it's, which I think it's funny because I'm Jewish, but whatever. Um, so, you know, I was in one of my lovely conversations with this this individual um, she was on my live stream and of course I, I brought it up and I, you know, I said, you know, it's the equivalent of the Holocaust more over almost 70 million babies have been aborted since 1971. Why they were not seen, they're not seen as human, right? 4.7 million Jews were annihilated in almost a five year period. Why they weren't seen as human. It is comparable. And so of course she gave me one of her lovely, lovely little hypotheticals and her hypothetical to me was, would you rather save 4.7 million Jews? Or would you rather save um, 5 million fertilized eggs, embryos, frozen in homostasis through IVF? Because, you know, my opinion is IVF can be very, you can, you can do go through IVF in a moral stance. You can, you can have an IVF treatment and make it moral and make it a pro-life. Well, that's thing. a loaded question though. It is a loaded question. Like, how and many, do you have the resources to even support all those people? Well, there's that, but there's also like, first of all, that hypothetical is completely, completely belligerent, completely not even close to reality. There's no, no, 
no alternate or universe where I'm ever going to be put in a situation where I have to save 4.7 million Jews in the Holocaust or 5 million fertilized eggs, right? You know, and I know what she was doing. And she said, you have one option. You can either choose one or the other. <coughs> Excuse me. Obviously, I didn't answer. I was just sitting there and I was like, I know, because I, I, I was looking at all the variables mentally of what she was doing. And I'm not stupid. If I chose the 4.7 million Jews, she would say that, what about the 5 million fertilized eggs? Because I, that, that is life. Science tells us that's life. If the sperm and egg have attached and fertilized the egg, that is life. That's what science tells us. So, of course, she was pitting me against my own ideology. And so if I didn't choose the Jews, then I'm a hypocrite for not choosing the fertilized eggs because I do believe that that is life because that is what science tells us. If I choose the fertilized eggs, well, I'm not talking about the Jews. And they're So I said, I said, you know, she said, you have, you can choose one or the other. And after me sitting there for about a minute too, because I'm going through all the variables in my mind, she goes, or she gives me a third, second variable. You can choose one or the other, or you can save neither. And so since I know what she was doing, my answer to her was I would save both. But of course, I can't create the variables. So she got upset at that answer and got very belligerent and got angry and kind of like stormed out of the live being like, I'm going to take that as you conceding, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she went on her live and basically said that she like defeated me in a in a debate when it wasn't even really a debate. There was no winning with that question because that hypothetical was completely unreal. You know, you know, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, I kind of like want to talk to her because um, I feel like just like you, I'm, I'm not saying you haven't gotten this before, but just like you probably needed someone to just listen. I feel like she kind of needs someone to just listen to. Uh, probably. Um, yeah. And, and, and I like, that's the thing. Like when I, when I have podcasts, yeah, people got to realize I'm not doing it just because like, Oh, this, this guy, he's just like me. I No, I'm doing it because I want to no. know their opinion. I want to know if there's any difference in the way I form my opinion. And right. I think it's very important, especially after talking to you, I think it's very important to have someone with an opposing ideology. Absolutely. I think the the problem I'm going to have, though, is that um, I do think uh, a lot of the times, um, I think it is hard to argue for mm -hmm. abortion. Um. Because, I mean, the language that you have to use to explain uh, why you're for abortion is very small because you have to try to dance around words like kill and stuff like that. And, and child not saying, and baby. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's definitely hard to have a an, uh, an opinion about pro-abortion without sounding really bad, um, even though right. I'm third party, right? right. Um, and if you're um, completely pro-life, like completely pro-life, it's so easy to sound... Right, because it's like, it's it's like any Disney movie you've ever watched. It teaches kids morals. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, do you think Simba from Lion King would do this? Of course not. Like, it's so easy to have right. a pro life stance. So I feel like a lot of women um, that have uh, pro choice stances, they they are afraid, or they get very caught up in an argument in a in a bad way, because. Mm -hmm it's hard for them to have a respectful con conversation and you would understand this because it's hard for you to have a respectful conversation. <laughs> so I feel like if someone just listened, <laughs> it just, it would be so much better. I, mean, I don't think we'd, go ahead. I agree. Like I have had tried to have conversations. Like there is um, a pro-choice TikToker who I don't like only because I don't know. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to say just, I don't dislike him. He's actually really cool. Um, okay. Hate everything he believes. I completely disagree on everything he believes, but uh, he's coming to my live a couple times. His name is Will MC. 
Um, he, you know, we've had some interesting conversations. We don't agree on anything, virtually anything at all. But <laughs> whenever I have talked to him, we at least can have a respectful conversation. And that's what I wish we could do. That's what I wish me and Sambi could do, but she's not capable of doing that. She'll be like just degrading names and being like, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah, da, 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 da. Like she told me how you can go onto, um, there's a website called, what is it called? Abortionprocedures.com. These yeah. are literal abortion procedure. These are literal abortionists uh, that whether they performed it late term, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, these are abortionists that left the abortion industry. Um, they are doctors, they are MDs, they did perform abortions. They literally have videos explaining scientifically and medically how at first, second, third trimester abortion, what the pill does. They go into it and, you know, she completely told me that the way I abortion, which is literally the way that a doctor, a doctor that performed it, explained it, was incorrect. Um, and of course, my sources are not reliable to her because they're just not, even though technically that that entire website is bipartisan, you know, and it was interesting because I had talked to this one lady a couple of weeks ago and she's pro-choice, which I'm like, cool, mazel tov. I don't, you know, you can believe what you want as long as we can have a respectful conversation. It's great, you know? Um, and I asked her straight up and I'm like, all right, so you do, do you support the death penalty? And she goes, no. I'm like, okay. I'm like, why? And she goes, well, you know, the way that they carry out the death penalty is inhumane out the death penalty they use the same medication excuse me in a death in, in the sentencing of a uh, of a criminal on death row in the case of uh, lethal injection they inject mitoprozone into um the criminal Isn't and that, that is really painful too it is and she said that they she didn't support the death penalty because that's inhumane well that is how they perform an abortion in a lot of cases, some abortionists go in and they take mitoprozone and they inject that into the baby's heart. And what that does is it forces a heart attack. And then he'll go in with um, forceps, rip the baby limb from limb. That's if he's feeling humane. If he's not feeling humane, he will skip the mitoprozone. And instead of doing it once the heart attack has been forced, he'll just go in with you know, forceps. That's how a second trimester abortion takes place. It's, you can look it up. It's, I, I can give you that website if you'd like. It's called abortionprocedures.com. That's how these doctors you know, that have performed thousands of abortions, that's how they performed it exactly to a T. That's a second trimester abortion. Um, that's how it was done. And it's not a lot of people, either they don't want to know about it or they just don't want to know it. You know, And a lot of people will say, well, showing those video tactic, it's not a scare tactic at all. We don't use those photos as a scare tactic. We use those photos to show what it's really like, what it actually happens. You know, in a first trimester abortion, you know, when they use a catheter, suction catheter, first of all, they'll go in and they'll, you know, take a ultrasound and they'll take an ultrasound of the woman's stomach. She, they won't let the baby, they won't let the mom know or see the ultrasound. Why? What is the purpose of the ultrasound then? You might be asking. Well, that is so they determine how big the baby is how big of a suction catheter that they need. Then they will go in with the suction catheter. They'll just start suctioning away, ripping apart the baby. That's a first trimester abortion. Pill, there's two pills. A lot of times the first pill, what it does is cut off all nutrients to the from the mother to the baby. And I, I talked to Sambi about this and she goes, well, you know, 
you can do that. You can reject your that baby's right to your body by that first pill. But the baby dying, you know, that's not what you intended it to do, but that's just what happens. And I'm like, okay, by cutting off resources, that the only reason to do that is to end the baby's life, right? The first pill ends the baby's life, cuts off all resources from the mother, essentially kills it in the womb. The second pill evacuates it. This is the reality. This is what abortion does. And then, of course, third trimester abortion is, you know, even worse. And then people realize it absolutely exists and it absolutely is, you know, it might not be legal, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, um, most states allow for it. There's third trimester abortionists on this side. I'm in Pennsylvania. There's, I'm in Virginia now, but there's 13 pro-abortionists and abortion providers that provide and specialize in, is that the word that they use is specialize in third trimester abortions on this side of the U.S. alone. Like, that is the reality, and that's what really happens. And the sad thing is because a lot of people don't know, they don't know what actually goes on. Jeez. I mean, I've seen those videos. I have, like, not, <clears throat> excuse me, not um, actually on purpose. I've, I've, I've scrolled by them on accident, which is weird, but I have. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I've seen that stuff. And I, I think I think a lot of the opinions that... um. I think a lot of pro-choicers, one of the reasons why they they have their opinion, or, or let, let's try to list off the reasons why uh, they're pro-choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the autonomy thing. I think right. it's the feeling of helplessness. I think that's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the feeling of when I say control, I don't mean that they are power hungry. Oh, but it's kind of the control of being like being in control of your own body, right? Yeah, like like the autonomy thing almost, autonomy, but a, a, a little thing. a little different. Right. Um. I think, I think everything. I think everything they say makes sense when it comes to how they feel. I don't think they're mm-hmm. lying. I don't think these are evil people. I right. think the reason why this is such a hard thing is because, like we keep saying, there's no there's no middle ground almost, right? So yeah. and so that's how pro choicers feel. And I can't tell them they're wrong. I mean, like, well, no, you no. are. Like, you feel that way. That's that's how you feel. I can't. I can't change that. Right. They're, um, they're and then pro life or go ahead. Go no, ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, like, they're fully entitled to their opinion. Yeah, and and I don't and I don't believe how they they're they're lying about how they feel. I, I no. don't think that. I don't and I, and I don't think they're evil. I think there's evil people out there. No, um, no. but that is in the 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 number is so low, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to count when it comes to uh people doing evil abortions. Like, the people that, are like, celebrate their abortions, that's evil. Mm-hmm. That right. is evil. But when people have an abortion and they're like, fuck, that's not evil. Even if you chose it um, after, like, consensual sex, I don't think you're an evil person. Um, so I think the what's rough for me personally uh, about, and, and I, I, I know it's not about me. I'm not trying to hang up the pity party banner. I, I'm not trying to make this about me. But I think the reason why it's hard for me to discuss it is because I fucking get it. I know. And I know you do too. I know you said that. I know you said that you understand it. And I understand it as well. So I really feel like these people do feel this way. I don't think they're wrong feeling this way. I think the problem is, like we said before, um, having civil discussions, but also knowing that there's right. almost never going to be a middle ground and we have to we have to find what works. But um, I know you have to go soon. So let's let's wrap it up. I want to ask you one more question. Okay. All right, so... Um, um, so is there anything one more, like one more thing that you've never been able to get out that you want to say, or is there one argument that 
you're still thinking about that you're like, hmm, I got to figure that one out? Or has it just been a wash the whole way through where you're like, no, I, I know how I feel, I, and I genuinely think I'm right? It's, it's that, you know, I, I know where I stand. I know what science tells us. I know how abortions take place. I know the effects it has on women. I know that there are, you know, there are pro-life resources, you know, that will help women, whether they're post-abortive, they've had an abortion, they had an abortion 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. There's organizations that I volunteer with that they provide that help to them. So it, yeah. it's not really, there's no real argument to me that I haven't really considered, I haven't thought about that, you know, would change my mind really in any way, shape or form. Well, listen, Caleb, thank you so much for talking to me. I, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you, 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 you felt uh, comfortable. Yes. Um, and look, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again whenever you're ready, whenever you want. I'll hit you up and we'll do this again. But um, I don't want to keep it because I know you got shit going on. You got to do stuff. But uh, thank you yeah. so much. Well, thank and, you for um, having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we'll, we'll talk soon, all right? All right. Thanks. Sounds good. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Have a good one. So guys, look, I'm now I'm I'm now I'm just I'm sitting here after Caleb just left, and um I, I want to make something very clear, and I, I'm going to make a um a preface in this video, like I'm in this podcast, so you know what's going on. Um, I know a lot of this is triggering. I know this is a really rough topic. I know this is not an easy thing to talk about. I don't know what the answers are, but I want to hear what people think. Um, I I I'm open to hearing what people think. And I'm sure I'm going to say it in the opening uh, like preface, right, in this uh, episode. But if you are someone with different opinions than Caleb, if you think that he's wrong about something, if, you know, you just want your voice to be heard, come do it. Please, come do it here. Like, I want to talk to you. I want to understand. These conversations aren't easy, especially when you're talking to someone who's yelling at you, especially when you're talking to somebody who uh, thinks you're a bad person. Um, I know it's very hard especially publicly, to come on and talk about things. But um, seriously, if any if anyone's out there wants to talk about this shit who um, thinks they have something to add, um, and I'm, I don't do this for all my podcasts where I, I end it and begin it like this. Um, but I, I want to make sure you guys know that, like, I want the information. Everyone wants the information. Everyone wants to hear what you have to say. And um, it's just it's one of the biggest problems of our time right now because it's, well, it, it's, it's all anyone's talking about in a lot of corners of this country. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. I mean, like, I I think Caleb and I did very well at uh just respecting each other's time while we spoke, but it's uncomfortable because you know you're not you're afraid that you're gonna say something wrong. That they're gonna say something. You're gonna say something that they disagree with, and they're gonna rip you apart. It's like that's not. I'm not gonna do that. That's not what we're doing here. Um, so please, if you want. Let's talk. Let's talk. That's it. Um, I'm not trying to say this is or is not my opinion. I'm not, say, I'm not trying to say that I am inflexible. I'm not trying to say I'm married to my opinions and I, my ideas. Um, I just want as much information as I can get. And um, you'd honestly be doing me a favor. Anyways, anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching, listening. If you made it this far, you're incredible. Um, that's it. I'll see you in the next one.